Good, good. I so enjoy all the different flavors of, of meeting together of church, that there can be joy and celebration, there can be a, a solemnness, there can be a seriousness. Um, I love all of that. And so I love that when Jen prays, there's a, to me, I don't know if you sense it, there's a sweetness to her prayers. There's a sweetness of God's presence. I, I mean that both sweet, meaning it's, it's um, the presence of God can be sweet, like a sweet smelling aroma, or it can be a good taste in your mouth. There's just a, a pleasantness about it. And so I enjoy that. I know sometimes I can be a little more raucous. Uh, I was just, I didn't realize this morning when I put my microphone on and we were testing it, that uh, Braxton came running in the back and it was being, my microphone I thought was being tested in the room, but it was also being projected in the courtyard. And uh, I was playing with Braxton and, and he was throwing him in the air and yelling different things. And that tends to be my relationship. I tend to be a little more loud and crazy and silly. And Jen tends to be a little more sweet and solemn. And I, and I love that all these things bring together the flavors of the family of God. And that's really what we're talking about this whole year, not just this morning, that family there's something about it that I have four kids and I can't believe they all came from me because they're all so different. And I raised them all the same and yet they come out so unique and different. And that is the beauty of family. That when we gather together, we come from different backgrounds, we come from different things, but we are one family. And I love that. And so there is, as you heard this morning, that how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in a unity, in a oneness, that we're here to praise the Lord. We're here to learn about God, to come under his, uh, his submit to his authority. And so I, I sense that here in the room this morning, that you are here because you're hungry for God. You're here because you want to learn something that you've gathered together, right? And I love that, that verse I already quoted, that when two or three are gathered, there he is in our midst. And so I'm just going to pray. Uh, again, I know we've prayed already how many times this morning, but I'm going to pray over the word. I'm going to pray over the message that I've prepared uh, because I... My biggest prayer this week is that I would not just transfer information that I gathered and, and knowledge from my head. Um, my prayer has been that somehow heart knowledge, intimacy would be imparted. That's something about I can tell my kids information, but there's something about when we go through experiences and they see their father's heart there's something that that is transferred. I can, I can tell them to obey, do as I say, not as I do. It doesn't really work very well. But when they see dad's heart, when they see the reason why, the motivation why we're doing something, I can bring them alongside. And so that's kind of my heart this morning is that I've been studying this idea of family for a long time. I, I've got good notes. I've got a sermon prepared with three points and verses all for it. But as I've been praying these last several days, I don't want to be stuck to notes. I don't want to be stuck to information. I, I want hearts. Uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I'm saying yes and amen to that. God, would your heart speak today? Amen. Not just information. So would you just join me in agreeing with me that we want to hear from the heart of God this morning? Amen. Father God, I thank you that you're an all-wise God, that you know all things. And I want to grow in knowledge and in wisdom and in truth. But God, my heart is praying this morning that something would change the heart level. That I would know your heart and I would know what my heart is. God, your word says that the heart can be deceitful and wicked. But God, I pray that you would transform my heart today. Would there be a renewing of my mind? May I be transformed, God. May it be both, God, my mind and heart being transformed into your image, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you help me? Bring the word of truth this morning. And may all of us have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. In Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. Amen, amen. So, again, Joshua 24, 15. That's our verse for this morning. You don't have to turn there because I think we have a slide just saying that family, that's who we are. That's our vision for this year. Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And that's the New Living Translation. I know I have it in my, in my house and growing up in my parents' house. It's actually the same sign. My mom gave it to me a few years ago. The Donnelly family. I'm carrying on the Donnelly name. My sisters can't do that, but I can. So the Donnelly family, I got that plaque, and it says that. Josh 24, 15, it says, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I like the New Living Translation for this year, being family. Because I feel like that's what God is saying, family. He wants us to understand family. And so... Really quick, this ties in just a little bit for this morning. I feel like I'll be able to tie it in a little bit better in more messages to come. Um, but the Hebrew word for family, who here likes, to me, geek, I like knowing Hebrew and Greek words. I like to know the, the actual foundation of what I'm reading, what it means. And so there's a Hebrew word for family in the Old Testament. And uh, I think I have a slide for it. Mispaka, kind of a weird one to say. Um, you can repeat after me, mispaka. And I'm probably mis-saying it, um, but I've listened to it. actually on my Bible app. You can actually click on it, and it, it, some Jewish guy reads it to you, and that's why I put the type under there, um, mispaka. But they probably say it with a little more mishpaka. There's a in there probably. Um, mishpaka. Um, but that's family. And so right there you can see some of what family means. It's family, tribe, clan, nation, group of related individuals. It can actually mean a group of animals or things. So as you read this word mispacha in, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it can talk about this family of, of uh, lizards. I don't know if it says lizards, but whatever. You know, Noah's Ark, it talks about two by two. These families came, and by families they left the Ark. Um, there's things that, that it means all these, so it's kind of a generic. But then there's times where it's, it's used where it gets more specific. And so it's sharing kinship or similarity. There's something about it that they're the same. There's something about them that makes them the same. They can be different in some ways, but they definitely share some things that are in common. So that's important. Uh, these actually next three things are kind of important. They're kind of what I had as my three points, but we'll see if we get to three points or not. Um, they're similarity. They, they form a family, clan, or species because they're the same. The next one, they have a close association or relationship. So you can have something that is the same, but maybe you're not in the same family, right? You, have, you, don't, you don't associate. You don't have relationship, even though there's parts of you that are similar. And so this mispaka is saying, no, you actually share an association. Not only do you have similar traits, you actually have a relationship with each other. So it's kind of going a little bit deeper. And then this one, the, the last one, is it's immediate family or a whole nation. So it can be as, as narrow as a husband and wife, and it can be as broad as the nation of Israel. And mispaka has talked about the family of Israel, the nation of Israel. It can be translated nation in the Old Testament. And so I just wanted to give you that context because... I think those are where we're headed this morning. Three points of, of what this means. And so I felt like before I jumped in um, to what I had planned as points and all these things, because that's how I like sermons, in case you didn't know. I like having things that like rhyme or alliteration because I can remember them. And when I take notes, it's easy to remember. So that's how my brain works. That's what I want. But then there's times where God is saying, Ryan, shut the brain down. Like, just listen to what I'm saying. And so it doesn't, you can do both. You can actually be led by the Spirit. It says through wisdom, God laid the foundations of the earth. So it's good. God gives knowledge to people. And I want all that. But I know for me, I can get caught up in that. And that's why my... Verse, you see it in the, in the foyer, is uh, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, get to know him. Acknowledge him, right? Have relationship with him. Be in a family with him, and then he'll direct your steps. And so for me, 
My default is I lean on reason and logic and I try to figure things out. I'm a guy, I wanna fix things. And so my brain just naturally goes that way. And so that verse is saying, don't lean on your own understanding, Ryan, right? But trust him with all of your heart. And so that's kind of why this morning I think God is saying that. I don't wanna be stuck to knowledge and information. All right, done with saying that. I said that three times already. So here's what I want. It might seem basic and maybe not profound, I was going to say this at the end to wrap everything together, but I'm going to say it up front. We're talking about family this morning. You were created from a family for a family relationship and to be family. So I'm going to say it again. You were created from a family for family to be a family. Let me kind of explain that a little bit. You were created from a family. Do you know that before time and space existed, before anything existed, there was the pre-existent one, right? The Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three of them sharing those omnis, right? They're omniscient. They know all things. Omni, uh, omnipotent. They're all-powerful. They have all power. And omnipresent. They can be everywhere at the same time. God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, three entities, three persons, one God. And that gets confusing to the Jew, right? Because that's the great Shema. Behold, the Lord, our, listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, right? One. And it's the Trinity that kind of our brain can't fully fathom, but in some ways I can somewhat understand. But he's one. There's a oneness. There's a similarity. There's a family relationship. And out of this family, Godhead, you are created. That might seem really elementary, like kindergarten information, but I'm praying that somehow that goes down a little deeper this morning. That somehow, I love this verse where it says, press down, shaken together, altogether running over. That this core principle that you were created from a family. Jen said it during worship. She was talking about David. So many times in life, if I boil it down and I just know who I am, and whose I am. Things in this world go strangely dim, and all my cares and concerns and anxiety, it falls to the wayside. Wait a second, I came from a family. And that family, if you read and study about the divine romance, they didn't create you because they were missing something. They were enjoying fullness of joy. It says in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Before he created anything, the Godhead was experiencing a joyful family-like relationship. The Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, preferring one another, loving one another, proud of one another, just enjoying full bliss, full joy, this divine romance. I don't know how my brain can't comprehend it because they're all-knowing, but somehow surprising each other with flowers doing something as, as a surprise. There was just this joy of this family-like relationship where it was complete and altogether fulfilling and enjoying every, there wasn't days back then, but every day of their life, every moment, there was no moment, I don't know how my brain can't fathom outside of time, but somehow this Godhead was enjoying it. And out of the joy and bliss of that Godhead, you were created. In Christmas, we just came out of Christmas, it says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. 
That again, Hebrew word shalom, a lot of us know that word, shalom. Peace, it means wholeness, completeness. I was thinking about this. Romans 14, 17 says that the, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. The family of God was experiencing perfect rightness or goodness. It could be translated goodness. Goodness, the epitome of goodness in that family head. Peace and joy. And in the midst of that goodness, righteousness, peace, and joy, you were birthed. You were created out of a family that is perfect. I don't know, like I said, this is kind of elementary, like this is like Christianity 101, but I'm praying that somehow it connects to something in your heart level. I know I talked to someone who came in here this morning having a rough day, a rough something was going on in their life. And they just needed to know who they were. Wait a second. If you know who you are, that you were created out of this Godhead, then whatever is attacking you, whatever is plaguing you, wait a second, it loses its power. Amen. And I love that God in his infinite wisdom and goodness, he didn't just create Adam out of this loving family. He said, you know what? I'm gonna give the ability for Adam to be a family. I'm going to allow him to experience what it's like to create a child out of joy. Not to get graphic and keep it PG. All of you were birthed because two humans had some enjoyment together. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> there was some joy that caused you to be born. So let's turn there. Genesis chapter 1. Let's read some Bible. Genesis chapter 1. Let's go to verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And we'll read just a little bit, a couple of verses there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Already you're getting the, what I've just been talking about? I love this is in Hebrew, and I love this is the, the Jews that have a hard time with the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. But in the Hebrew, this is plural. Elohim is plural here. That it's God, us. That's the correct translation. God is saying us. Let us make man in our image. There's something about this is already telling you in Genesis chapter 1 that God created you out of a family. So he's saying this. Out of our likeness, out of our righteousness, our peace and joy, let's create something, right? Let's let, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We'll stop there. Are you seeing this idea of family already? I, I titled this morning's message, uh, The Genesis of Family. We're going to look at, hopefully, three different characters in the Genesis account. The Genesis, or the beginning of family. It started off in the Godhead, the divine romance. But now we're seeing 
creation being created, right? We're seeing Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created, and it was because of family that God created. He wanted more people in on his experience. He wanted you to experience the joy and bliss that he experiences within his own God. I know, I just want to be careful because I know all of us have different human family backgrounds, right? We all have the same spiritual background, same father, right? But we all have different biological dads. And we come from some of us broken families, dysfunctional families. And, and that's what I love about scripture. We talked about the last couple of weeks that scripture is full of dysfunctional families. David, we heard this morning, a God after man's own heart, that God made a covenant with him. He came from a dysfunctional family. His dad didn't even want him at the party of, of him being anointed as king, right? Uh, David later had some dysfunction with his own sons, right? There's things that you read the stories, you're never disqualified to be family. No matter what your natural DNA, right, human background is. You were birthed from God, first and foremost. You need to know, despite who your human dad is, you have a heavenly father, you were created from him. And next Sunday is going to be human, uh, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And so we'll talk a little bit about that, about how every baby, it doesn't matter if it came from rape or incest, it doesn't matter, that child inside a mother's womb came from God. Yeah. It was created from God. So just, again, uh, foundational things, right? The genesis, the kind of core principles of things. And it says, I don't have to harp on this one too much, but it says that he created man in his image Male and female. I don't want to harp on this too long and make it political. It's just biblical, right? You're either male or female, and God decides who you are. I'll just say it that way. You don't get to decide which one you are. God decides. God created you male or female. You have no choice in the matter. Because, is God mean because he doesn't want you to have fun? He doesn't want you to be able to do whatever you want to do? No, he understands. You've probably heard this. This is even in the Bible. This is just kind of, most people understand this statement. That family is the bedrock of society. Anyone ever heard that before? Yes. Family is the bedrock of society. You could Google it. It's in all kinds of pe secular people quote it. But it's amazing how the enemy has been attacking family over the last several generations. From the, we call it in America, we call it the greatest generation, the World War II generation, right? That went off to go fight and healthy but it's that generation that actually divorce skyrocketed. And since then, the family has been under attack. Because the enemy knows, if I can make the family dysfunctional, if I can get the family divided, and if the family isn't healthy, everything else falls apart. This is the core. God is saying in Genesis, in the creation story, he's saying, it's not good, we didn't read it, it's not good for man to be, what? Alone. I will make him a helper. And I love this. It, Oh, okay, let's read it. In Genesis chapter 2, there's a couple of verses. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Let's read that. Genesis 2, 18. We'll read a few verses from there. And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought him to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman 
and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We'll stop there. So God, in his infinite joy and everything he's there in his infinite wisdom, he said, all right, let's create Adam. But it's not good for Adam to experience relationship with God alone. He needs to have a relationship with family, someone who is like him. So I love as you read the Genesis chapter one account, it says that we were created from God in his likeness. He took something of himself and he created Adam. And then when he creates Eve, I love it, it says that he created woman out of man, from man, out of the side of Adam, he created Eve. And then every child came from these two together. There's, some, there's a connection within family. Family is meant to be connected. There's to be similarities. There's to be relationship. There's this idea that you were created from family for family. So God in his infinite wisdom is saying, marriage is between a man and a woman because that's how you reproduce. That's how you create the bedrock of society. That's the, the foundation of society, of how you live. I mean, kids need to learn how to respect their mom and dad so they can respect other authority in society and eventually God, hopefully, right? Children are to be raised in a place where they see mom and dad loving and enjoying each other and that creates a healthy atmosphere for these kids to be raised up in. That's what God wants. And am I saying that if you're not, if you're a single mom, this, that poor you, you got, no, God knows how to, his, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. But you need to hear the truth of what God is saying. It's not good for a single parent to raise a child. That's not me being mean. That's just God's word. It's better that a man and woman raise a child together. That's the best scenario. That's what produces a good society. Like I said, this is very elemental, but I'm praying that somehow these things, they, they get pressed down, shaken together. It becomes part of our understanding of, of life. That you were created in a way to be under authority. And then as this said, you have to create your own family. This is the reason why a man will leave his father and mother and cling to another woman and create a new family. This is what's supposed to happen. It's not good for a man to stay in his mom and dad's house every day of his life. Amen. At some point, he needs to grow up and create his own family. This is what makes a good society, right? So I'm just, I'm just explaining core principles here in God's word. And it's to be enjoyable. God created it to be enjoyable. He created sex to be enjoyable. Maybe not so PG now, right? But he created family to be enjoyable. I know when Jen and I have had run-ins with people in our lifetime that either we thought they did us wrong or they were coming against us in certain ways, we had said, you know what? I wouldn't pray on my worst enemies that they would have a horrible family situation. I'll be careful how I say this. I, I know what it's like to come home from a long day of work. I'm just being honest. I know what it's like to not want to go home. I've experienced those emotions and those thoughts. 
That is not good. That is not God's design. But I also know overwhelmingly what it's like to have a hard day at work and I just can't wait to get home. I can't wait to just be with my family. That's health. That's what God intends. And that's what God wants when you come to Osborne Neighborhood Church. I just can't wait to be with family. Can I be honest? I'm honest with my own family relationship. There's been more than one day I didn't want to go to work as the pastor at this church. I'm just being honest with you. I didn't want to see my church family. That's not good. That's not God's plan. But I praise God so overwhelmingly more. I love that I get to be in this family. I love that you are my family. There is no other family I'd rather have. I don't want to pastor another church. I love this family. I find strength and encouragement from this family. It's not that I'm just the dad and I, it's just my job and responsibility and is draining to be the pastor of this church. I find so much pleasure being the, the spiritual head of this church. You are a good family. You treat me well. This last Christmas, I, my kids even said it because I was opening cards from some of you. And my kids said, I want to be a pastor one day. <laughs> that was pretty nice being a pastor. Wait, you get a paycheck and people give you things? I want to be. You make it look enticing to be a pastor. Do you know that's not true of every church family? We have a good family here. We are starting off on a healthy place. We are good family. But God is saying, actually, it can get better. It actually can get better. As good as this family is. You were created from a family to enjoy family. You were created to enjoy family. Can I just, before I move on, can I just declare this is the year of family, but this is the year that you are increasingly going to enjoy family members. People you already enjoy in your family, you're going to enjoy more. I'm going to be bold to say this because I know my family is not the only, only immediate family in this room that has someone in, in your extended family that's hard to get along with. I'm going to declare this is a year you are going to enjoy that family member. This is a year of family. Someone that frustrates you, that disappoints you, is going to bring you pleasure. And it's not all rooted in them figuring it out. <laughs> what God is saying, he's working it out in you for you to learn how to be family. As I said, we came from a family to enjoy family and then to be family. Sometimes it's work to be family. I said, it, I don't know how many Sundays now. It's not my chore. There's some people in my family that has been designated. It's their job to take out the trash. But I took out the trash the other day. It was overflowing in multiple trash cans and on the floor. There have been times where dad grumbled and I picked it up. This week, I did not grumble. I praise God that I have kids that are involved in sports and they're 
They're busy doing good things. And I praise God that I had a Sabbath day at home this week to be at home to take care of my family. And it was my joy to take out overflowing trash. I'm using that as an example. It will become joy for you to bless someone who doesn't deserve it in your family. This is the year of family. Ah, oh, there's so much. But let's move on. Because I, I could, I, I'm reading, I got lots of notes in here. And I, I, I say that, I, I hope that doesn't make you feel bad. I don't ever feel, let me just say this again. I never feel bad that I prepare a lot and I only share this much of what I prepared. I love it. I enjoy spending time in God's word. I enjoy preparing, so I never feel bad. I, I love, uh, I did a memorial service the other, not too long ago, and I had a lot prepared. And when it was my time to go share, I only got to share this much. And someone in the family was like, I'm so sorry, Pastor. I'm like, please don't apologize. I'm like, it was a great service. Family got to share whatever, it, what God wanted took place. I'm not offended. So when I say that, I, hopefully I'm not like bothering you that like, oh, pastor wants to go over and he cut it short. I'm like, no, it's my good pleasure to just figure out what God wants for us. Um, so we looked at a little bit about Adam. Let's look at actually the very first time this word family is mentioned is not in the Adam story, not in Cain and Abel and all those other things. It actually, the first time it shows up is in the Noah account, Genesis chapter eight. So if you turn to Genesis chapter eight, verse 18, this is actually the very first time you see that word mispakah, Genesis chapter 8. 8.18 says this. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. So there you go. You kind of see that word families. Noah and his family went out. Every giraffe and its family went out. Every family went out. And this is the first time you have this. And so there's things where I do not have the time to unpack all of this, but there is a law first mention, and there's things where there's value when the first time something is mentioned. And so we'll just kind of hit a couple things here. Um, but context is king. So we read verse 18. So I want to read the verses just before and just after that verse, that word, the first verse that says family. So verse 17. Um, I better turn there. What does it say in verse 17? Uh, let's find out. I can find it in my Bible. Oh, because it's on both pages. All right, here we go. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So this idea of family is connected with this principle of being fruitful and multiplying. You were created from a fruitful family for family relationship, but then to be fruitful. It was in the command in Adam and Eve, right? Be fruitful. I gave you Eve, Adam. Now be fruitful. What a horrible command. You must know your wife, right? The idea is to enjoy family, but the idea is to be fruitful, to enjoy the fruit of family. I'm going to say that again. You were created to enjoy the fruit of family. When you come here on a Sunday morning, you are here to reap the fruit of a family bearing good fruit. There should be the fruit of the Spirit on display amongst other members of this family that you get to take a part of and eat and enjoy. Okay, I'll say it quick. Probably 
probably just for my thought, God telling me, but I'll, sometimes I say too much, but this might be one of them. There's fruit that our church family is supposed to enjoy from my own immediate family. I love that Benjamin jumped up and sang worship this morning. He had no idea until he got here during worship practice. Hey, Benjamin, you're singing this morning. Pastor Nick's not here. Jump up there. I say this. I, I know I can come across as arrogant by saying, I'm God's favorite, and that can come across super arrogant. But if you know my heart, you know that's not an arrogant thing to say because I want you to experience the same love and enjoyment that I hear God saying that, where he says, I don't know if I can say this. One of my kids has heard their grandma tell them one-on-one, -on -one, you're my favorite. <laughs> they don't know that grandma probably says that to all of her kids when they're grandkids when they're by themselves. You're my favorite. It's the same thing. When I'm in God's presence, I hear him say it, Ryan, you're my favorite. He doesn't say that to make me look down on somebody else, to think I'm better than somebody else. He says that because too often I think I'm a nobody. Too often I think, well, who am I, God? I, you picked the wrong, I don't know how many times I prayed that prayer becoming the pastor. God, you picked the wrong guy. I'm an introvert. I don't like being in front of people. I don't like this. I don't. You picked, and so he has to keep telling me, but Ryan, you're my favorite. You're highly favored. You're blessed among all. I'm like, okay. That's what you're saying? Okay, I believe you, even though I don't think it or feel it, I'll believe you because you're saying it. And I want you to hear the same thing in your own quiet time with God. So I'm connecting that to idea. Hopefully you hear me not being arrogant when I'm saying I'm God's favorite. But my own immediate family is here to be a blessing to you. I'm to be a man of one woman and to be a good dad over my household. Am I perfect? Do I blow it? You hear it. You hear me all the time when my kids correct me and I'm like, oh, I need to be corrected as a dad. But hopefully more often than not, the way it goes in my family is that I have more wisdom than my kids and I'm leading them in a good way. So I pray that my family is fruit for you to enjoy. Is that making sense? I'll leave it there. So I have more thoughts. And then the verse, I said context, right? This idea of family. So that was kind of before fruitful multiply. And then if you keep reading, uh, we read 19. Is that what we read? Yes. Keep reading. Let's read verse 20 to 22. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a smoothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. We'll stop there. This is the law of first mention of family. It's also the very first time, if you keep reading the story, the first time the word covenant is used. Covenant is a big deal to God. Abraham will get there, right? We read the New Testament or the New Covenant. Jesus gives us a new covenant. Covenant's a big deal. But God is giving covenant in the idea of family. He's saying you were created from a covenantal relationship within the Godhead. You were created from covenant and you were created for covenant. God says, I covenant myself to you. I commit myself to be for you and not against you. I covenant to be faithful to you even if you are faithless. 
He's made a covenant to you. But he's saying, I want you to be in a relationship with me, to be in covenantal relationship. Will you covenant yourself to be faithful to me? To live for me only and no one else. Right? I'm thinking of a marriage covenant. So help you God, right? This idea, God is making a covenant and he makes a rainbow. And he's making this covenant. From now on, mercy triumphs over judgment. Sin, he says, from when you were a youth, you were born into sin. You were born into things. A sinful nature was given to you. But I promise, I covenant that my mercy will triumph over judgment. Very elementary principle things, right? Most of us have memorized this passage. For the Godhead so loved the world that he gave out of his own Godhead, he gave his son and gave a covenant saying, if you believe that my son died on the cross for your sins, mercy will triumph over judgment. And I will remember your sins no more. I will remove them as far as the east is from the west. I covenant to have mercy towards you every day. My mercies will be new every morning. I will be faithful to you. And it's in the context of family. The very first time you hear the word family is the first time you hear the word covenant. There's something that the day I saw any of my child, the day they were born, I didn't have to make this covenant out loud. It just something was forged within me that I will live for this child. I will sacrifice. If there's an option, I mean, I, my kids are doing sports and all kinds of things. If there's an option for their mom to somehow take the pain of her child so that they can be healthy and she can take their pain, she'll sign up any day. Where did that come from? It came from family. She might not do that for any other person on the planet, but for her kids, there's something within her, within that family. She's covenanted, I will do whatever I can to prosper them, to give them a future, to give them hope. God has covenanted that with you. He's committed to your future, to your success. Jeremiah 29, 11, again, these foundational kind of core committed, commitment level verses that we read as, as Christians. But he's committed to you. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. He's committed to keep thinking that way. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. God is love. And in this family, you are his child. There's nothing you can do to separate yourself from the love of God. These core principles, but I'm praying they're pressed down a little further this morning. I, I'm running out of time, but the next one I want to look at in this Genesis, this Genesis of family was Adam, the creation of family, Noah, the covenant of family relationship, but then to be family. It was Abram, Abraham. In Genesis 18, maybe really quick, I'll read something from there. Genesis chapter 18. Hmm. Yeah, eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Genesis 18. Am I right? Yeah, I am right. Sorry, my notes, I was in the wrong place. 1818, Genesis 1818. Go there. 
Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. We'll stop there. God blessed Abraham with family, that he would be a blessing to the nations to be fruitful and multiply. You were created from family, right, for a family relationship, to be family, to be fruitful and extend the family of God. If you read this account, read the beginning of Genesis uh, chapter 18, it says that God chose Abram from among all the people on the planet. God says, Abram, leave your family and go to a place I will tell you. And then he says, I'm going to create in you a new family. From your seed, I'm going to birth a new family, the nation of Israel. And you're going to be so blessed that you're going to be a blessing to the nations. You are to steward the blessing of being in a family relationship with God that everyone else around you gets blessed. If you knew how blessed you are as a child of God and you walk in that blessing, everyone else around you will be blessed. Everywhere you go, you carry the favor of God, the blessing of God. The idea is that you are blessed to be a blessing. If all we do is come to church to work on my personal relationship with God, I've missed the core elemental truths of God's word. Do not forsake the assembly of the saints. Why? Because it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to have only a vertical relationship. You actually grow in your faith. You grow in your knowledge of who God is by growing in family, maturing in family. Like I said, I don't have time. There's lots of points I wanted to say about all these points. But you need to know who you are. You need to know why you exist. And you need to know how to live. And it's all within family. If you know that you come from a family, and if you know the whole reason why you are alive today is to enjoy family, and you know how to live, what to do, how do I live my life, what choices should I make, it's in the context of being family. Jesus said it, right? I can sum up the entire entirety of written scripture. Love the Lord your God, your family, your father with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and love your family, your neighbor, as yourself. Be a good family member. Be a good brother. Be a good sister. The good Samaritan, right? The priest and the Levites, they were only concerned about their vertical relationship. And God is saying, yet yeah, they missed it. It's your person next to you that you're to be a family member to. I don't have time to keep preaching on that, but we got all year long to look at this idea of family. But there's a basis of having kids being loud and being part of family, right? There's something just about being family where it's funny, it's enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> sorry, really quick. Last week, 
I was meeting with somebody, I won't say who, I was meeting with somebody, and they asked if they could bring their kids to the meeting. I was like, yeah, I love kids. And during the meeting, those kids climbed up on my chair in my office and were behind me and climbing all over me while I was trying to talk to the person. And they're like, are you okay? I'm like, actually, I'm loving it. <laughs> it's probably driving you nuts, but I love kids. And I... Physical touch is a love language for me, so that's why you see me wrestle kids and throw them. I love them climbing on me. My wife, when she goes to sit down and watch a movie, all the kids, they're used to being around dad, and they want to be sitting on top of you. And she's like, oh, can you please give me some space, right? <laughs> she doesn't like that. I love it. And so for me, I'm just telling you, I love family. And we all experience the enjoyment of family differently. But God is going to cause you to enjoy this family more and more this year. I, I believe it with all of my heart. And that's why, really quick, I, I just, I do want to end on this. I, I gave you last Sunday an opportunity to join in a 21-day fast that was very different than any other fast we've done here before, and people are doing it in different ways. Hopefully, you haven't just given up because it seems so weird and too difficult, but the idea is that you don't eat alone. And I get some of us live alone, and we don't have kids sitting on you and doing all these different things, right? I get that. So you tailor it. There's flexibility. Make it work for you. But I'm inviting you over these next two weeks. Can you do something intentional that when you break bread, when you eat a meal, I can give you examples. I'm not eating snacks throughout the day. I'm making sure that I don't put something in my mouth until I'm spending time with someone, meaningful time with another human being. That's what I'm asking for. And so I get it. Maybe you can't do that perfectly in your situation. Figure it out. Take it before. The letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. So figure it out how it works for you. But if you just say it's too difficult, I'm doing nothing, you missed it. Call somebody. I, I, someone in my family, immediate family, said that they just, I've been FaceTiming or calling somebody else while they eat. Great. That's good. Something. You're putting forth effort to spend time with family because that's the idea this is the year of family where we value family more. And can I tell you, I was, I'm overwhelmed way beyond, you guys outdid my expectations for the 21-day online devotional through an app that maybe some of you downloaded for the first time. But there's about 50 of us that are doing this 21-day journal. And it's been so fun to read some of your comments of what you learned during that devotional or seeing that you just joined. Maybe, maybe like Daniel, you're willing to say, yeah, I haven't been perfect. I haven't read every single day, but I'm putting forth effort. That effort brings me joy. If you want to join us, you can. Again, it's not like you have to. You're a bad family member if you don't do it. That's not what I'm saying. It's just an opportunity. I'm trying to create opportunities for us to live life together, for us to be family. Is that making sense? Can you join me as I know we're over time? But let's just ask Holy Spirit how to end their service. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's living, that it's active, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword, that it's able to pierce my soul. So God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you seal the truth that you're speaking to me this morning? What are you saying? God, I, I believe that within the context of family, you might be saying 20 different things within this room. But I want to leave different than the way I came in. God, I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. God, I want to be submitted to you. I want to grow. I want to mature. I'm a child growing up in your family. So teach me. Shape me. Mature me. What are you saying? I'm asking Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me this morning?
Is there an area that I have been walking in immaturity that you're calling me out today? As we sing that song, you can have it all, Lord. Every part of my life, every part of my world, God, I'm yours. I want to learn who I am. That in you is fullness of joy. And the reality is I have not been walking with fullness of joy. I need it, God. And it's not just you giving it to me. It's me learning how to rejoice always. How to put on a garment of praise. How to serve you with gladness. So Holy Spirit, would you guide me into that truth? of what I need to ask Father for and what I need to pull myself up by the bootstraps and just walk in. God, I need to enjoy family and value family more. I enjoy too many things that this world has to offer. Entertainment, a screen, a device. God, they they soak up too much of my time. And I'm saying, God, I want to enjoy family, relationships, people more. I want to enjoy family. So would you change my heart, change my desires, change what I go after. God, may be practical. God, may even today, may I go spend time with someone at lunch. May I invite to go have lunch with somebody after service. God, I don't know, Holy Spirit, you do what you're doing in the room right now. And God, may I learn to be family. Not just to receive from you as my dad, but learn how to walk as a brother and a sister in Christ to learn how to think of others better than myself. God, there are people in my family that are hurting. Holy Spirit, would you prompt me, would you remind me of them throughout this week that I would do something to bless them, that I would be a good brother, I would be a good neighbor. I would walk out what it is to be family today. So God, I remind myself of the theme verse for this year. I choose this day. For me and my house, for me and my family, we choose to serve the Lord. I choose to serve family. You as my family, God, and the family you've given me, this church body, my biological family that you put me in. I choose to serve family. So would you be pleased with my heart burning to to obey you right now? Obedience is is better than sacrifice. So I came here to worship you, God. May I worship you in obedience. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can I invite you just to stand to sing one last worship song? If you want prayer for anything, myself and some leaders will be available here. Maybe you need to choose this day whom you're going to serve. I just want to join with you in prayer. Does that make sense?